Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy bullshit we don't need. We are the middle children of history raised by television to believe that someday we'll be millionaires and movie stars and rock stars, but we won't. Did you ever catch the movie Fight Club with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton? If so, you may recognize that line. If not, don't worry, it's not a prerequisite for this episode. For some people, the idea that there is wisdom to be had in that movie may seem a little bit of a stretch. It was a really interesting movie and men tend to be drawn to it. And if you listen to the show, you know that I'm a total movie nerd. I love good movies and I'm always looking to glean what I can from a movie. So let me be fully transparent. If you've not seen the movie Fight Club and you want to, there are spoilers ahead. You may want to come back after you've seen the movie. I will not dig deep into the movie, so you don't have to have seen it. It's not a prerequisite to understand what we talk about, but I don't want to ruin any plot points because like I said, I'm a movie nerd and it pisses me off when somebody does that to me. So spoilers ahead. Today, we're going to dive into this cult classic and pull out seven proven truths for men who want results in their lives. So let's roll that intro and we'll get into it. Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question in this podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. A big shout out to the Fallible Nation. You guys make this possible and I just love you so much. And if you want to join the Fallible Nation, it's really easy. But a big warm welcome to our first time listeners as well. I'm so glad that you've given us an opportunity and I hope you really enjoy the podcast. Please let us know. My name is Brent and today we're digging into the 99 movie Fight Club with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. I'm not here to talk about the anti-capitalist overtones because most of you know I don't have that feeling about capitalism. And other shows have been tearing that apart. I'm not here to do any nonsense about women being to blame for the holes in men's lives. That's kind of stupid and that's not our view here at The Fallible Man. Writer, director David Finch put together an interesting tale about the modern man complete with rampant consumerism, discontentment, and rage. But we're not here for any of that either. I mean, that's that just wouldn't be me. For anyone who hasn't seen it, the movie follows the path of an unnamed narrator, which seems kind of odd, but the unnamed narrator is played by Edward Norton. The, through his meaningless, consumer-driven life, he has no real relationships. He has a job he hates. He doesn't meet his emotional needs, and has no purpose. He buys things and he thinks it will fill in the holes and make him feel better and fix his life, but really it's just kind of a pointless loop. He's a massive insomniac and he goes to support group meetings that have nothing to do with what's going on in his life because apparently they make him feel something. Along the way, he meets a girl at the support group meetings because she does the same thing and life seems to be a little better. Then one day he meets Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden's character is played by Brad Pitt, who is the polar opposite of our narrator. He is a hyper masculine personality and the narrator is pulled into his strange and incredible world. And together they start Fight Club. And thus the movie gets his title, title right? The movie goes on from there. Spoilers will come later, so you can stick with me a little bit longer. 
So longer introduction, but I had to get us all on the same page because if you didn't understand the basis of the movie, it might be a little hard to follow this and I don't want to do that to you guys. So that's our starting point, right? Now you know the plot line in the movie. And like I said, if you haven't seen it, spoilers are coming. They're just not here yet. This is your chance to bell. But it is an interesting movie and men are really drawn to this. Actually, there's been kind of a revitalization of this movie among younger men. And so I thought it really deserved a few minutes of our time to dig into this crazy world that the director created. David Finch made this crazy world that started as a book and then turned into a movie. So you can check out the book if you're an avid reader. But what can we toss, possibly take from a movie this is about a bunch of guys beating each other up. Well, the first thing I really want you to take away from this movie is men thrive in a brotherhood. Now, it doesn't matter how you spin this movie. It doesn't matter if you agree with what they're doing. Throughout the movie, the narrator and Tyler start building this fight club and it grows and it grows and it grows. More and more men flock to this savage nightly fights and beatings. Why would we as men do that? What draw is there? And the simple answer is brotherhood. As more and more spaces that were once reserved for men together without the intrusion of kids or women disappear, men are struggling. Men instinctively seek brotherhood, alignment with other men. We also seek the company of other men who inspire us to connect with, to share struggles with, and support each other as we fight through this life. More and more, our safe havens of masculinity where we can talk and be who we are without intrusion, political correctness or interference is gone. We can't speak openly or candidly almost anywhere anymore. And so this really digs into this idea of brotherhood when this man who just does not connect with anybody, all of a sudden, becomes part of a brotherhood, a group of men who are on the same path, who align in different ways, it may not be political, it may not be all their beliefs, but they, they have this alignment and this goal. Now, you may want to argue with me here that men still need the locker room. We need a place where we can speak deeply or crudely or stupidly without fear of judgment these days, or God forbid, legal repercussions these days. I mean, I saw a post on Instagram and it was that post where the woman's, you've all seen it, is that stupid meme where the woman's laying in bed going, I wonder if he's thinking about other women. He's laying on the other side of the bed thinking about something stupid. And it was posted by a woman. And she said, I asked my boyfriend the other day because he looked off in the distance. Like, what are you thinking about? And he said, how do I know how to make the thickness of the rubber on the tires and get them onto the tire? And she said, women, stop worrying about these things because 95% of the time, if you ask your man, this is the kind of stupid things they're thinking about. And it's true. And it's not stupid. Men like to ponder why things happen, what causes things, how it happens. Our brains are just wired that way. We need places where we can connect with other men and we can think about stupid things. Can raccoons swim during a flood in a hurricane. I don't know. It's crossed my mind a time or two. So we need those spaces. You'll have to look really hard to find them these days as 
the way society has shifted, there are less and less spaces that are just for men. Now, you're going to have to dig, but you need to find a place to have brotherhood. And for you, that may be a jujitsu studio. For you, I'd say that's Boy Scout. Could be Boy Scouts, but right? Boy Scouts now have can have women in it, right? We have less and less spaces, so you're going to have to look hard. There may be online groups, but you need to find something more localized so you can physically connect with other men. Find a space for find a space with men who can be your brothers, men who you can align with, men who you can commiserate with, men who can inspire you and encourage you and that you can have their back. Men who will come alongside you in your journey. And if you want to thrive as a man, this is something that you're going to have to find. And this is something we can learn from Fight Club. If you want to thrive as a man, you need to seek brotherhood. Number two, guys, men need a physical outlet. So Fight Club as a title should be apparent. But if you missed it somehow in the introduction, they start an underground bare knuckles, no hold bar fight club. Members fighting mano a mano until one of them smits or loses consciousness. It's part of the rules. It goes as long as it has to, but that's you can either tap out basically and submit or you can lose consciousness and the fight stops. But these guys beat the living daylights out of each other. I mean, the the guys in the club throughout the movie, they do a great job of showing how, how beat up they look in everyday life because it shows them throughout their day with all these bruises and bandages and stuff like that. Now, you may not need a place where you literally beat the hell out of other men, or, or maybe you do. I laugh when I hear men who don't understand the appeal of that part of Fight Club. A bunch of men beating each other senseless. For some men, just seems terrifying or senseless. I get it, because my brother and I grew up that way. We sparred daily after high school. Now, to be clear, that involved scars and broken bones. We weren't playing patty cake. We had bouts that <laughs> included baseball bats, swords, yes, real swords, knives, and more. Bare Knuckles was just usually the start of the session, and it expanded very quickly from there. And that was years before Fight Club came out. That was before as MMA was getting started, like that was a new idea to us. So I get it. Let me be clear. It was a bad idea what we were doing. <laughs> Any of my younger listeners, it was a bad idea what we were doing. We're probably lucky we didn't kill each other, and that's probably not what you should do. Just saying. However, there are options now, right? Jiu-Jitsu clubs are growing and spreading. Now, there are other martial arts out there, but not quite as effective as Jiu-Jitsu or MMA training. Why? Because sparring is a core component of the practices. So they're actually a little more effective than some of the other martial arts like Taekwondo and stuff like that. So if you need that physical competition, then Look into one of those. If you don't need the physical comp competition, but you need that physicality, go get in the gym. There are all kinds of variations on the gym these days. You could be into strongman, like I like strongman stuff, or powerlifting. You can be a bodybuilder. You could do CrossFit, right? Not hating on CrossFit here. At, le at the very least, take up some kind of physical exertion. 
Take up climbing, go mountain biking, play sports in the park, do obstacle course events like Spartan and Tough Mudder like I do. That's actually why I started doing OCRs. Working at a desk was suffocating me mentally and emotionally, and I needed a physical escape. I needed to get physical again. And I've loved it ever since. Men are revitalized when we let loose the physical part of our makeup, and it makes you stronger in every way. If you want to thrive and get results as a man, then you need to get physical and get that physical outlet going in your life. I promise you, as you get physical and you scale it, okay? If you're a seasoned couch potato and desk jockey, scale it. Yeah, at first it will be hard. I'm not saying to go hit the gym five days a week if you're 200 pounds overweight and you the most workout you've done is to lift a beer to your lips in the last six years. Start getting physical, and as you build that physicality, you will feel better mentally, emotionally, you will be more clear, and it will get easier and easier. And guys, it is incredibly critical for you to start getting physical in your life. I promise you. Number three, suppressing yourself is unhealthy. Fair warning, last chance to bail. Spoilers start here. So if you're still with me, and you're still undecided, spoilers start here, you've been warned, last chance. When the story starts, we find our narrator living a mundane life in which he finds no joy, hope, pleasure, or meaning. He's just going through life wishing he had the courage to do more, wishing to live bigger and to escape the conformity that dominated his life. Everything is the same day in and day out, and he lives for the weekend, which he still doesn't actually do anything. He can't sleep, which is really common with guys who aren't living a purposeful life and guys who are just going through the motions. He's a massive insomniac and he can't seem to live the matrix of his life. Now, I am saying matrix looks in. Yeah, right. That's what they did in the matrix. They just kind of lived a cycle constantly. Then he meets Tyler Durden. Last chance. Here we go. Tyler is the man he wants to be. He can't believe it. Tyler's like a messiah of manhood for him. He's an alpha male, I hate that term, who lives large and loud and without restraint. The only problem in this case is he is Tyler Durden. Professionals would call this dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder. His is more complex because not only is he both people, he actually interacts between the two like he's both people at the same time, which is not common with dissociative identity disorder. He is both people interacting, seeing the other person, like he literally sees Tyler Durden in front of him and is talking to him like he's right there. But he's both people. Now, experts agree that this usually comes from two places. Usually this is massive trauma at some point in someone's life or prolonged suppression of certain feelings and desires. And it's far more complicated of an issue than my simple explanation can do any justice of, guys. It's not like I'm a psychiatrist or a specialist. I just try and do my research well. But for my limited understanding, that's correct. Now, if you want to get into that brain stuff, go over to Dr. Do Dr. Heim's channel. You've met Dr. Heim on the show before. And if you haven't, Dr. Heim is a very accomplished psychiatrist from Australia. I've had him on the show several times and he's worked with us on the Phoenix before. 
check out him. He can give you these actual like scientific professional kind. I can't do that, but this is how I understand it. And so that's what we're working off of today. Are you going to develop dissociative identity disorder because you don't gush your feelings? No, no. While you may not ever suffer the issue to that extent by suppressing your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts, suppressing your emotions, feelings, and thoughts can be incredibly unhealthy. There are issues like loss of confidence, ED, depression. Yes, ED is associated with that. Compensation issues, addiction, displacement of feelings, and so much more. All these complicated brain things. Like I said, go to my friend Dr. Heim's channel. He can get into all that with you. I can't. Can you imagine, though, if the story would have progressed the same if the narrator had a couple good friends, you know, brotherhood, who he could talk to and commiserate with? If you want to thrive as a man, then, guys, you, you need to learn the process and find healthy ways to handle your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts. You can't suppress them to thrive and get results as a man. That's just not how it works. Number four, we all have a desire for something meaningful in our lives. Number four, guys, we all have a desire for something meaningful in our lives. Now, this one should be fairly obvious, I would think, but you have to look at the narrator and kind of read between the lines. If you read between the lines in the movie, you can see that something is missing in his life. He keeps trying to fill the void with stuff. In fact, the movie goes into some detail and so does the book about just this meaningless consumer driven life where he just keeps trying to buy things and furniture that fit him and define him and, and fill those gaps. He doesn't even know really what he's feeling, but it's not working. What we do see, as I noted before, is a lack of meaningful connections throughout the whole setup of the film. You don't actually see him interact meaningfully with anybody. No women, no men, no kids, no, his work connections are bad. He doesn't have a place where he has purpose and where he fits and it's left him empty. Along comes Tyler Durden and what he's selling sounds good when you've got nothing, right? When you're just going through the motions and you have no purpose, you have no direction, you have no meaning, you have no connections. Snake oil salesmen come along and you're just like, hey, that sounds great, right? It's got to be better than this. I interviewed an author a while back named Nate Rifkin. And it's funny to me because I see that story thinking back onto that interview and if you didn't see that interview, check out my interview with Nate Rifkin. It was great. He wrote an incredible book called The Standing Meditation. And I won't go back into that, but it I see the parallels because Nate was going through the motions too and got suckered into some bad choices because of it. And guys, that's what happens when you don't have purpose, when you don't have meaning, when you don't have something driving you you don't have those meaningful connections when you don't have that it's really easy to get sucked up in bad choices and bad decisions i'm actually quite convinced 
a lot of young men make bad choices because they don't see the purpose of their life. They don't see the ideas. They don't see the meaning behind it or why they should do this or do that. I'm convinced that a lot of young men make those bad choices because there's just nothing. They don't get it because there's nothing for them to get, apparently. Well, I don't agree with that. And while we're on that, let's talk about today's sponsor, which is me. Hey, guys, the Phoenix Conference is coming up in February, and this is exactly what we're going to talk about. I believe this is so important that this is the focus of the next Phoenix Conference. Back in the first Phoenix Conference, we talked about the importance of being a father figure, a role model, a mentor, even if you're not necessarily physically a dad, right? There are a lot of coaches, youth ministers, teachers out there who are filling that role. And so we focused in on that. But on this time, I really want to focus in on purpose because I believe every person is built with a purpose. Now, the Phoenix Conference is coming up February 10th and 11th, and we do this both live and virtual. And tickets are available right now at www.fowlman.com slash the Phoenix. The early bird pricing, guys, and you can see if you're listening, I'm looking at a graphic right now. It's got Jim Fuller, Oliver Marcel, and Diamond, and I'm actually working on the next speakers for the event. We throw a pretty good event, if I say so myself. Guys are still talking about the last event, and our virtual event is awesome too. Now, I understand if you don't live in central Washington, coming physically to the in-person event could be daunting or impossible. I get it. But our virtual event is pretty good too. We stream all the speakers. We also have breakout sessions on Zoom. And the breakout sessions are hosted by our speakers. You get to connect with them and be a part of this conference, guys. So we have a great package for you there. And guys, I can't encourage you enough. Purpose is so important in your life. You have a Talos. You have a purpose. You have a larger purpose and you have smaller purposes in that. And Yours may be different than mine, and that's okay. But we want to help you find your way into that purpose because you will live a more fulfilled life. You'll be happier. You will thrive better, and you'll get better results in your life as you grow when you know what that purpose is and when you actually actively seek that purpose. So let me ask you, we've talked about three or four truths already from Fight Club. Have any of them surprised you? Let us know. You can DM me on one of my social media accounts. I'm at the fallible man everywhere except for Facebook where I'm at fallible man because I just didn't know anything about Facebook when I set it up. So you can message me there and tell me, did any of these surprise you? Now, as we roll into this next part of the show, guys, we're going to go through three more that I want to get into with you. So we're talking about seven proven truths for men who want results in their life. We're pulling wisdom from the oddest of places. We're pulling wisdom from the movie Fight Club. And if you haven't seen the movie Fight Club and you're just now getting on with us, spoilers have started and there are spoilers ahead. So if you want to watch the movie, go watch the movie, come back and turn the podcast back on. I want you to finish the podcast, guys. I really think these are important things and they will help you to get the results you want and to thrive as a man because I think we can learn from anything, but there are spoilers, so you can check out there and do that. Otherwise, we're gonna keep rolling into what I think are some really important things. And as we go through this, guys, just remember, 
if you have some thoughts, hey, it's really hard on podcast platforms to reach podcasters, but I have a live show on Monday nights specifically because I like to interact with my audience and I like to hear from you guys. I also am reachable on social media. So let me know if you have any thoughts on the show. Do you agree? Did I miss anything? Did any of these surprise you? Message me, let me know, because I want your thoughts on this. That's, that's the only thing I don't like about being a podcaster is it's just not a great platform for interacting with your audience. And you guys are why I do this. So let's move on to our next point. Number five, guys. Number five is two dogs, one wrong proverb. Now, you've even probably heard me talk about the old Native American proverb about two dogs inside every man. I know I've talked about it before, but maybe you're a new listener, so you haven't talked to me about it. But I wanted to share a new thought with you that I had about this in looking at the movie Fight Club and what's going on there. This movie illustrates how one side that's not fed can still rear its ugly head because it's fed by the slights and pains perceived or real. Tyler and the narrator are two sides of the same coin. And much like the movie version of Jean Grey and the Phoenix, one is control, balance, logic, conformity. The other is a creature of raw passion, creativity, emotion, and desire. It, it's like, a, you know, a three-year-old. It's, it's just how it is. You exist just like the narrator did as both sides. And if you nurture one side and ignore it or suppress it, the other is just chaos waiting to erupt. That's what we're heard with this whole idea of everybody has two dogs, whichever one you feed. I don't, I don't, I used to think that was a good idea, but I really think that old proverb missed it a bit. Because if you ignore one side entirely, you get what happened like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, who can look all calm and together on the outside, but there's darkness right there just waiting. And eventually it just breaks through. If you ignore that other side, it doesn't go away. It doesn't stop being, and it actually can grow and get stronger too. Is that too many re movie references? X-Men, Psycho, Fight Club, too many? No, it's not because I love movies. How about one more? Because this is not a new subject. Robert Louis Stevenson addressed this back in 1886 in the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, in that one, there was a lab accident that kind of stimulated the release, just like in the movie X-Men 2, X-Men 3, where Jean Grey turns into the Dark Phoenix or whatever. Got to go back in the movies, not the newer movies with Sophie Turner. But if you go back, right, Robert Louis Stevenson saw this. There are good and bad to every person. And if you neglect one side entirely, it can come out in a really violent way. Now, in my humble research, I've not found a single case where this turns out good for anyone. There was a deep struggle in my life for a long time. How do I square with the darker side of myself and still be the person I want to be? So let me propose this idea. You don't need to feed one or the other. It's not a this or that. You harness them in tandem like sled dogs or pulling horses and let their combined strength work in your favor. 
It will require discipline and restraint at times, but you're a grown man, so you can do that, right? What if you put the harness on your whole self and bring all your strengths and weaknesses to bear? At the end of the movie, Tyler and the narrator get into a fight. That's really hard to follow when you're watching the movie once you know the little twist at the end of the movie that they're the same person. So <laughs> that's that's very interesting to actually witness and try and process. But the narrator puts Tyler down. But at the end of the movie, he stands alone and he watches his master plan come together. Now, there's a lot of fan theories as to what that means exactly. Many seem to think that it symbolizes the unity of the two parts coming together together into one awake individual. Well, what if the narrator hadn't tried to suppress himself emotionally and mentally? What if he had just met in the middle and let each side use his strengths and let each and let the other side intercede on things that he shouldn't necessarily act on? Impulse control. We wouldn't have a movie to talk about, so I guess it would suck if that's how it had worked out because there wouldn't have been this great movie to talk about. But what if you did that? What if you take your whole self the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you align yourself and harness yourself together in tandem. Behind your goals, behind your aims, what if you align all that and you let your good strengths temper your weaknesses? And you let your weaknesses guide you as warnings for your strengths so you don't get out of control. What if we just harness all that together and focus on being one whole person and just act with some restraint, right? A little self-restraint is why we don't have more stupidity in the world than we already do. So maybe it's actually possible, but I'm telling you, if you want to see the results you want in your life and thrive as the man you are, then you need to harness all of your strength acknowledge your weaknesses and let them temper each other so you can have the best of all your worlds together and align yourself for your goals. Number six, going to extremes seldom provides a real solution. I said at the beginning that Tyler and the narrator are total polar opposites. Opposite sides of the same coin. The problem with the pendulum swing is we tend to go too far one way and then respond by going too far the other way. Now, if you've been on the show before, you've probably heard me talk about this because I really, this is a pet peeve of mine, is we tend to just ride that pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, and we never actually get any kind of solution or real meaningful fix. The narrator was far from his best life, right? This isn't the life that any of us want to leave. I mean, live, that any of us want to live. Let's face it, none of us want to live that life. It's so depressing that the character doesn't even get a name. He's just the narrator, right? Even though it's his life we're looking at. But Tyler was equally far the other direction. I mean, going way out in his style of life. Going to extremes rarely solves anything. And when it does, it's usually a temporary fix. As men, we have this great ability to temper our emotional responses more easily than women do. This is a huge advantage for us because it can prevent this radical swing if we use it appropriately. If you want to thrive and get the results in your life as a man, 
that you want, you must learn to temper your responses on an emotional level and avoid the pendulum effect, okay? It's the old adage of one, two wrongs don't make a right. Going too far one direction, all you gotta do is look at the country right now. We have a lot of division going on currently in our country. And it's because we're stuck on this pendulum swing. No one's in the middle. We have, well, there are people in the middle. Let me rephrase that. But we have this crazy pendulum swing. And we have people on the far extreme left and far extreme right. And really, if we want progress, if we want to make lives better, if we want to help each other, if we want to be the men we need to be, then we need to come down here into this area of reason and logic in the middle and not let our emotions pull us one direction. As a man, you're uniquely set up to do that. It is instinctually part of who you are. Now, I can go on about on that forever. I actually carefully put in my notes just to make sure I didn't rant about that point too long, guys, because I could definitely go off on that one for a while. So let's jump to point number seven that I want you to consider as a man, okay? I can't tell you how to live your life. I've told you before, I wanna walk alongside you. I wanna support you in your journey because I'm on my own journey. I don't have all the answers, but I have some ideas that I wanna share with you and I wanna walk alongside you because I believe in brotherhood. So number seven for your consideration is stuff doesn't provide happiness. At the beginning of the show, I read you this quote, advertising has us chasing cars and clothes working jobs we hate so we can buy bullshit we don't need. We are the middle children of history raised by television to believe that someday we'll be millionaires, movie stars, rock stars, but we won't. Tyler Durden says that in one of his speeches. Now, at the heart of this movie, it is very anti-capitalist, anti-establishment message. And we're not going to get into all that, as I said, but one takeaway we can get is that we are often influenced on our culture to try and fix our life with stuff. That's what marketing and advertising is all about, right? Marketing is all emotional based. As a podcaster, as a YouTuber, I look into marketing, right? And I study it because I'm not very good at it. I have a marketing company that handles my podcast because I'm not good at it. But marketing is based off emotion. It's not based off facts. It's not, hey, the fact is you need this. Now, marketing is based on feelings and emotion, which is not my strong point. So I have other people do it for me, but we see it right here. Very, very on the nose in this movie, right? Right off the bat, we see the narrator trying to plug the holes in his life with all this stuff and all these things. Like it even goes through a scene. If you haven't seen it where he's walking through the house, like painting the house, and seeing the price tags of all the different things that you see in this shot. Tyler goes on to touch on it throughout the entire story, but we see it here in this quote that we started with. We work for years in jobs we hate, for what reason? Now, this is not a Sunday school answer. You can't just say provision and walk away from this idea. Men with families, and not just men with immediate families that are their responsibility, men with larger families, right? You came from somewhere, right? You have parents, you probably have siblings. You have people around you that you have kind of taken in or responsible for, or have some responsibility for, even if you don't have your own kids. Men understand the idea of provision. We provide, that's one of our strengths. That's one of the things we're made to do. 
but you can't go permission and walk away from this idea, guys. Yeah, we work to provide for those in our charge, but we provide much more than their basic needs most of the time. Like, put this through your head for a minute. If you cut out all the extras, started shopping more frugally for the things you have to have, like clothes, right? What if you started buying all your clothes at Goodwill or thrift stores? Do you have to have new designer clothes? What if you started sewing your clothes to make them last longer? What if you stopped buying the newer stuff and then stretched out use? How old is your phone? How old is your car? What if we cut out the extras like TV? No one actually needs a TV to live. Like, no one. I know people who can't pay their bills who have huge televisions. No one needs a television. It does not give you life. It does not nurture you. What if we cut out the comfort foods and the snacks? What if we really look at need versus the standard we desire to live at? What's the difference? Could you change your job to something that made a little less that you might enjoy more if you really reined it in that way? Could you take a lower paying job that would not spend you as much emotionally and mentally so that you could build that side hustle that one day might replace your income. I recently saw the new definition of wealth in a social post, and I air quote the word new, because I'm not sure it's just pointing out the obvious, honestly. The old definition was a lot of money. Pretty straightforward, right? The newer definition is actually why we wanted a lot of money. That's why I say new with air quotes, because I don't think it's new. And the new definition is the ability to decide how you spend the majority of your time and the means to do so. Wealth is relevant. You can make $80,000 a year or $60,000 a year with almost no overhead and work on a laptop sitting on beach somewhere these days. That's the amazing thing about the time we're in. Tim Ferriss talks about the concept in his book, The 4-Hour Work Week, and it's, I think you should absolutely read it and know you're not only going to work four hours a week. That was just to get people's attention. But I'm absolutely thrilled to see more and more people coming around to this thought. People starting to live at a lower income level, but they're thriving that income level because they're not necessarily living in the giant house. Now they're living in a different country where that money goes a lot farther because they can work remotely. And so they may only make $50,000 a year, but where they've chosen to live $50,000 a year lets them live like a king, and they have a job where they can kind of make their terms work, right? They just have to deliver all the things they're supposed to deliver, but no one's babysitting them. No one's looking over how many hours they spent doing it, right? That is wealth. So you might make... $250,000 a year, but you work 80, 80 hours a week, you know, 52 weeks a year, and your overhead is $170,000 a year. Now, are you more wealthy than the person who makes $50,000 a year that has a $10,000 a year overhead and works a couple hours a week because he just delivers deliverables? It's a changing concept that we need to get used to. And that is, stuff doesn't necessarily provide happiness, okay? 
having more stuff doesn't necessarily make it better. Cutting that back so you can live a wealthy life to live on your standard, to live on the way you want to live, where you want to live, do what you want to do. We got to get these concepts because they're not in sync at this point. Stuff isn't happiness. Stuff isn't wealth. Money isn't necessarily wealth. How you get to spend your life, how you get to spend your time, that's wealth. It's not a new concept. Like I said, I think it's funny, but we've always been after the same thing, right? We wanted more money so we could live on our terms. If you want to thrive and get results as a man, you need to get out of this trap of thinking stuff equals wealth, stuff equals happiness, stuff equals accomplishment. Stuff doesn't do any of that. Stuff is stuff. Get it out of your head if you want to thrive and get results. Now, guys, you have been awesome. And so I want to give you one more. And so we're going to go into number eight, which is the very first rule of Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. In the movie Fight Club, there are eight rules that are sacred to the group. And number one is you don't talk about Fight Club. Followed by number two, which is also you don't talk about Fight Club. In the world of social media, constant updates and putting pe put people putting their entire lives online. There is a value here in this idea of you don't talk about Fight Club. Some things, some things in life are better left unsaid or kept private. I'm so grateful that I grew up before the time period we're in right now. I'm thrilled that my stupid mistakes are not immortalized forever on the internet because I had a lot of them. I'm glad there weren't cameras around. I'm not saying I would not have followed suit because I absolutely would have been stupid and followed suit and done the same thing that young people are doing now. And I would have put my whole life online because that's what everybody else did. I'm just glad it didn't exist because I would have done that because that was what you do. And that's what our young people do now. And even our young adults and even a lot of adults. I know so many adults who update Facebook all the time. Before you call me old, realize that this was less than 20 years ago that this behavior wasn't even possible for most of us. So before I hear some of the audience going, oh, you old boomer, stop, you are dumb. This was less than 20 years ago. Technology is moving incredibly rapidly. And if you're old enough to have seen it, I had the first modern flip phone, the precursor, the beginning of modern cell phones. I had the very first one. I was 19 when it came out. I'm only 42. This was not a long go time ago and you couldn't post to Facebook because Facebook didn't exist. You couldn't post off your cell phone to the internet. It didn't work like that way. At least not with common cell phones. Guys, there's nothing wrong with staying a little mysterious. Leave some mystique to yourself. Once you put it out there, it's there forever. And there are some people who are going to have horrible regrets later in their life. They're focused on money right now. They're focused on short-term fame instead of long-term thoughts and goals that are way more important than money. And it's going to come back to bite them in the ass later. Stay a little mysterious. Don't talk about everything. Now, you can talk about some things. You can share some things. I'm not saying you can't. But try, try it from this perspective. I used to hire people. 
Okay. I used to, I used to be one of the hiring managers and I will readily admit the first thing I did with a resume is go and check your social media and your professional media accounts. I didn't just go to your LinkedIn. I went to your Facebook. I went looking for you on Instagram and on Twitter. If you put it out there on a public platform, it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. And people will show you their true nature when they are only paying attention to their friends seeing it. I can't say I made all my hiring decisions based on that, but trust me, if I saw something that just blew you out of the water, you didn't get hired. Leave a little to the imagination. Don't put your whole world up there for the world to see. Let me give you four reasons. No one except a small handful of people actually care. I don't care how many Facebook friends you have, and I hate Facebook friends because I don't hate the people who friend me on Facebook, but I hate the term friends for the people who connect with you on Facebook because they're not your friends necessarily. I have, a, I have friends who have a thousand plus friends on Facebook. They don't spend time with all those people. Ooh, sorry, I hit my mic. I have friends who have over a thousand friends on Facebook. They don't spend time with all those people. They're not their friends, guys. No one except a small handful of people in your life actually care about what you're posting most of the time. You're not that special. Or everything you do is not pure gold. And that includes myself, okay? Talking to me too. Not everything that we do is that great or worth sharing. I promise you. In fact, most of it isn't. There are things that are left better unshared. We don't need to know about all your relationship. We don't need to know the intimate details of your relationship and shouldn't. We don't need to know that you checked in at Chick-fil-A or wherever else you checked in at. No one actually cares. Everyone's just competing for likes and it's a system you can't win and neither can I. First rule of Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. Not everything in your life needs to be shared. Not everything in your life is better off shared with the whole world, guys. That's not something that you need to throw out there all the time. It's not something that needs to be available for everybody. In fact, your life will be better. Sometimes if you just go low key and check out and stop sharing anything and just put some work in, I guarantee it will make a difference. If you want to get the results you want and thrive as a man in this world, maybe it's time to go a little low key on some stuff. Stop sharing your whole life with the world. Retain some mystery. Now guys, did I miss anything? Share with me guys. Like I said, you can reach me at the fallible man or at fallible man on like nine different platforms. You can always message me on my website, connect with me on Facebook. And hey, if you got something out of this, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me to keep doing these shows. And I just really appreciate that. I tend to read them on air when people do that because it means so much to us here at The Fallible Man. But guys, let us know what you think of this list. Are you a Fight Club fan? Do you like Fight Club? I actually like the movie. Do you like the movie? Tell me what you think. What, what did you think of my breakdown of Fight Club? Am I off entirely? Did I miss something? Don't tell me I missed the point of the movie because I, I did catch all that, but I tend to pull out the things that I think is important in a movie. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. Guys, as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. We'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. 
head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.